Business Class is brought to you by the Tourism Academy, harnessing the power of science, business psychology, and adult education to advance the tourism industry and build sustainable economies. Learn how to engage your community, win over stakeholders, and get more visitors at tourismacademy.org. My name is Steve Ekstrom, and I'm the host of the new podcast series, Business Class, a travel industry podcast from the Tourism Academy. After more than 20 years working in the travel and tourism industry, I sold everything to become a full-time tourist. This time, I'm in Beaufort, South Carolina, home to fresh shrimp, beautiful architecture, and Rob Wells, CEO of the Greater Beaufort Port Royal Convention and Visitors Bureau. How would you describe this community in one word? It's a special community. But we also have this unique melting pot of uh, military families and people who have chosen to to make Beaufort their forever home. And so you have this special mix of people who've had different life experiences choosing to make one of the South's best small towns their permanent place. When visitors come, they say the same things. It, it doesn't vary too far. Um, they felt special when they came here. Uh, they felt like they were part of the community almost immediately. They don't know if the person they're talking to on the side of the street is another visitor like them or a local. What led you to Beaufort? I was, I was drawn to it because I wanted to be on the coast in the south. So I started looking for opportunities and never did I think that this place would grab a hold of me and my family so, so quickly and so tightly. They're not having to sell something that's not authentic. When you cross the bridge over the intercoastal waterway and you see the water and you see the landscape, you're like, whoa, this, this is different. So being in the travel industry, you, you love to hear people talk about your destination, um, especially your peers. Having peers say, yeah, we chose to come to Beaufort as our first trip out of the pandemic, that's pretty special. You know, people not wanting to go to a large destination, they want to kind of get out in, in the open and, and kind of do it. And you saw that travel habit come in. And that was great because what they did is it allowed my friends and neighbors to recoup some of the business they lost during that time and come out of the pandemic. I mean, these are, when I say our partners, I really mean my friends and neighbors because that's who we are. My, my kids had, a, had an interesting trek. They didn't have to leave to go on an adventure. You know, they didn't have to read about dolphins breaking the water. They can go watch it and go see it. They wanted to go fishing, we can go fishing. If you want to go on a nature hike, we can go on a nature hike. If you want to go have some great food, you didn't have to go very far. Those life experiences are usually, you know, from a travel perspective, you have to go out and do those things. Family that lived out in Kansas. And when they come to Beaufort, they're here to, you know, they want to, they want to see what they've been reading about with the dolphins and the crabs and stuff. And my four-year-old little boy can tell you all about blue crabs because it's he's lived it. It's a great last year life experience. How is your job like parenting? Definitely a balance. Uh, with work, we're always balancing that growth and then not losing who we are as a destination. In a home, it's about making sure I'm spending quality time with each and every one of my kids and not fostering on the one who's who's doing the best right <laughs> off the bat, not, not getting into trouble, not, not irritating or whatever you want to look at. Just those natural things happen. Um, and in both instances, it's a very important. It's something that over my course of my career, I've had to learn. It's not something that has always come natural. But man, one of the things I've learned over the last several years is that there is a sweet spot. There's a sweet spot in how you care and how you talk to your, to your kids. The way I talk to my teenage girls, different the way I talk to my toddler boys. 
and but they're both getting the same affection and attention, at least I hope. If somebody had asked you what you wanted to be when you grow up, what would you have said? I want to be a major league baseball player. It really depended on what season it was in. So if it was basketball season, I wanted to play for the UNC Tar Heels. I want to play for Coach Dean Smith. That's who I wanted. To, that's what I wanted to do as a kid. Probably not a career, but you know, it's college. Um, and if it was football season, I wanted to play for you know play football. So I was more into whatever the sport season was. I wanted to do it, but I, I was probably better at baseball than anything else. And so that's where I saw myself. So how do you see yourself? most like each of your parents? So from a, from a father's perspective, uh, having that balance with people, being able to build that personal relationship deep, like something that, that matters, you know, longstanding. And, and I hope that's the case. I hope the people that I work with know that I, I care deeply about their business or about, you know, their life at home. And then from a mother, she's the marketing genius of the bunch. She um, is a nurse by trade, but has been in the marketing and community development side of things through, you know, whether it be hospice or um, you know, medical profession in the hospital or whatnot. She's been in that side of it. And so those things that I actually do in my day-to-day -day job, that, that's kind of my career path, I would say it would, would come from her. If you could wish one thing for this community, what would it be? To not lose itself. You have to push through the noise of the people who are like preservation, preservation, preservation. And you have to push through the noise of the people saying progress, progress, progress. And you gotta let those ram butt heads like it's been doing in this, in this community for 300 years and let it go at a slower pace and make sure it fits and melds and molds just like the river that's pushed through here. You don't see a lot of the stakeholders making decisions based on just their bottom line. They, they want to invest in the community. And I think that's a, it's just another one of those qualities that makes this place special. You see, you know, developers looking at the fabric of the community before they take, take action. Does it fit what we need and how we can produce it? And I think that's, I think that's awesome. Same thing with restaurants and, and shopping and retail. They want to make sure that it's who we are to a thing. And I can summarize our area pretty clearly. It's when you, the last beach you went to, when you stood on the sand, toes in the sand, face towards the water, and you 180 degree around, tell me what you describe to me what you see. Most often not, they'll describe beach houses or condos or hotels. And I said, when I turn around at, at Hunting Island, I see trees. I see an, uh, an undeterred, you know, barrier island that is changing as the as a pattern goes, but not through development. My job is to remove barriers so my team can excel, period. I've got a great team. As long as they're free to do what they need to do to get their job done, they're going to succeed, and therefore our organization succeeds, and our destination succeeds. It's, it's interesting. We've been having this discussion internally, like, you know, we have this opportunity to work remote, and, you know, these things that came out of the pandemic. And we built a team that wanted to be around each other, that, that fed off each other, that's creative, that... So when we ask, hey, who's going to work from home? And not a lot of people want to work from home on our team, but that's our team. What's the best piece of advice you've ever received? Slow down. Slow down. You need to pause before you respond or react or make a decision. Make, you know, just slow down. And I started in the industry when I was 24 years old. Here I said almost 20 years later, and so I think that's served me well in the Slow down and, and, and make sure you're assessing what is being asked of you or 
what is actually being said? My very first mentor was uh, the county administrator in a small place in North Carolina named Fred Eldridge. And he's the one that basically said, hey, you need to slow down. You need to have a different perspective. You need to look at this from how you're being viewed within the community you serve. Um, the county government runs like this. You know, you're looking at it from a private sector. Just, you know, you need to, you need to understand the thought process. And in this world, it's a quasi-political you know, atmosphere. You have to know uh, the people at the table, and you need to know how what you're doing, how it serves their mission as an elected official, or how it serves the city you know, staff or county staff. Or you know, It gave me an opportunity, and I appreciate that. Take a chance on, on, a, on a local boy that, that had no aspirations of being in the tourism industry, and then you know, here I sit 20 years later, and one of the South's best small towns, leading its destination charge. What motivates you? Watching people get excited about seeing their new hometown or their favorite place to visit in lights. And I, I love watching our economic development team land jobs for my friends and neighbors. And celebrating victories is important, but you know, victories are never won the day of. They're actually won either the week of practice before or the month of training ahead of the season. You know, that, that's what motivates me. Where is your favorite place to go in town? to have a moment of reflection. Oh, I go to the swings in Waterfront Park. When I need a reminder of what I'm doing, <clears throat> what I need to do, I need to be near the water. The water has a, a quality to it that um, all throughout history, I read. You know, it doesn't matter what historical source you're in. If you read it, you'll find out that people get to the water to that point of reflection. And to me, that's, um, Pretty awesome. So I go by the water here in Waterfront Park in downtown Buford. It's not but a few blocks away. I sit in the swing and, and I reflect. That's a great place. If folks want to learn more about Buford or plan a trip, always visit BufordSC.org or you know download the podcast, the Intercoastal Podcast. It's a great way to get a, every two weeks they're a new episode about a little bit more insight about what brings this intercoastal lifestyle to people. Um, but yeah, BufordSC.org or find us on Facebook at BufordSC. So go ahead and pick a card. <laughs> when is it easiest for you to be compassionate? That's a, that's a great question. I mean, the easy question would be first thing in the morning because I'm usually well rested. But if I'm out at dinner with my wife, spending time with my family, kind of recouping and reflecting and having those opportunities just to re-energize. Yeah, I'm going to find compassion usually because I'm in the moment and I'm re-energized and I've kind of found my balance a little bit more. I'm a prayerful guy. I'm going to pray. And usually during those times of prayer or something will, will hit my heart that I know that I need to, to take a little bit more focus on. And usually it has a way of working itself out and finding, finding that compassion point to them. Whether it's a moment of giving or it's a moment of sharing. You know, you want people in your life that either pour into you or you can pour into them. And that's what I'm looking for. And I think it's easier to be compassionate when someone's poured into me and I've poured into them. And I think you can find that compassion point there. Is there anything that you'd like to know about me? Yeah, well, I mean, I, I'd <laughs> like to know how you got started in putting this, this content together and, and what, what's, your, what's your evolution story? What, what, how'd you get to this point here, December the 15th in Newport, <laughs> South Carolina? I know it's a long one, but how, how'd you get here? Uh, I worked in tourism development. Mm -hmm product development marketing for about 20 years. And in that time, working directly with attractions and businesses, 
uh, and destinations, and then as a consultant. I had to travel a lot. Yeah. There was one year I had more than 150 nights in hotels. And I had to travel for work. Given the last couple of years, my house value went through the roof. And I decided that I finally have an opportunity that I can travel. Mm -hmm. I get to travel. And I sold my house. And now I am a full-time tourist. I hear you. One of the things that always stood out to me in tourism is that when we get together, Mm -hmm. we tend to say it's about the people. You know, it's the people that we connect with. It's the relationships that we build. Your friends and neighbors, you know, me, everybody that I've met in the tourism community. And for 20 years, these people have been telling me, you should come and visit this area. Mm -hmm. You should come and visit. You should come and and see what we have here. You know, let me know when you're in town or that kind of thing. And as I started to put on the map where I would visit, I realized I had more than 120 Stop pins right, yeah. where I've made incredible friends like Linda downstairs. Right. Um, <clears throat> and I might as well take up that opportunity. It's that same humanity behind the hardware that inspired the podcast mm-hmm. uh, in that there's a lot of media about product. But again, when we get together, we say so it's about people. people. Yeah, exactly. So getting to know you and your story that's the people behind the product. Um, getting to know, you know, the person that feeds the animals at the zoo. That's awesome. You know, it, it, and, and these are the stories that we find interesting and that are relatable in some way, mm-hmm. but we don't often see them. Yeah. So that's where the podcast originated. It's grown mm-hmm. from being, you know, a lot of CEO profiles to now sure. being CEOs plus people who have unique jobs and plus unique opportunities and experiences. Yeah. Um, the Tourism Academy was a project that we had started about five years ago as a sort of a test in online mm-hmm. learning. I had been speaking at a conference or speaking to a company in California. Our now chief learning officer, who's her master's in education and technical design, business psychology, and blah, 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 blah. She's got all the letters after her name. Right. Um, she said to me that would make a great online course. And my experience with online learning in the tourism space was that it sucked. Yeah, it's be tough. Yeah, and, and, and people call webinars an online course, and I've mm-hmm. slept through and been subjected to more than enough of those. Mm-hmm. So um, I learned. I learned a lot over those first couple of years about what online learning is and what it can be and how it can be used effectively. Then when the world shut down, it was a great opportunity to work on a smart idea. And we brought the Tourism Academy to the forefront, um, became our full-time effort. And now we are represented in dozens and dozens of countries. My, my call this morning was with Uganda, mm-hmm. you know, and helping to develop tourism around a UNESCO World Heritage Site. Right. Um, and then I'm here with you guys today. Yeah, so, that's awesome. Uh, yeah, so it's, it's pretty new. Executive producer and show host, Stephen Ekstrom. Stephen Gross, producer. Sheena Works, chief learning officer. Eric Ludi, development. Keith Snowd, advisor. Sifa Mumbabu, intern. Esther Kenzonzi, intern. Special thanks to Rob Wells, Linda Jeffries, Peach Morrison, Brandon Goff, Samantha Queen, and Dwayne Parrish.